Welcome back to the Peak State Podcast. This is episode number 10. Uh, the topic of today is something that we're both crazy passionate about. We could talk about it all day long. And it kind of gets us fired up. There's something going on in our world today and in the baseball community as a whole that we don't really agree with. And it's the mentality that we believe that players need to have to really get what they want out of their careers and not just their playing careers, but their freaking lives, man. And, you know, it's trending in the wrong direction, in our opinion. And we're just going to, you know, dive into that today. Yeah, basically what we're talking about, what we're seeing is just a lack of bite, a lack of purpose, uh, sort of an apologetic way of approaching life to make sure that that everyone else is comfortable and no one is threatened and that we don't offend. And to me, that's it's just not good. It's it's weak. And in the game of baseball in particular, I think part of that is this idea that baseball is super hard, which is good, right? Hitting is hard. And we're hearing that message over and over and over. But what you and I have been talking about and what was really the, the driving force behind us talking about this today is there's a danger in that mindset. It's great on one hand because maybe it helps coaches put the task of hitting in proper context so that they don't panic when things, you know, aren't perfect. Uh, but as a hitter, as an individual player in the game who's trying to compete, who's trying to earn a spot on the field, that idea that, hey, hitting is super hard, that, sh that shit's got to go. You cannot step into the batter's box, whether it's in BP, you know, in the indoor stuff where all the, the work is super, super difficult, and especially in game. That mindset is going to kill you. It's going to take a very difficult task and make it damn near impossible. Don't you agree? 100%. Scary. And you're right. It is scary. And I think it is a good thing, like you said, in a sense that coaches are acknowledging that hitting is hard. So it seems like a lot of guys are taking their coach's hat off that old school, oh, when I played, I didn't give a shit kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. I just played hard. Go back to that. That seems to be going away, which I think is a good thing. And doing difficult stuff offensively, difficult hitting work is a positive thing. We both agree with that. But it depends on the messaging behind that work. As a coach, if you're saying, okay, we're going to have two machines, one at 98 and then one with a hammer, that's not too realistic. But you tell your guys, hey, this is tough. I'm not expecting you guys to freaking barrel it up all the time. But if you go out there and just freaking attack it, it's going to make it easier in game. That's one thing, right? But if, but if the messaging behind it is, hey, we've had way too many strikeouts. We've had way too many guys swinging and missing. Uh, we have guys being selfish. So we're going to do this drill right here. And it's going to be super tough, but I just want you to survive. There's a big difference in that messaging right there. Yeah, no doubt. If the goal of that is to not strike out and just fight it off, uh, then, then you've fallen into the completely defensive mindset. And the task, again, is too hard. It's mm -hmm. too hard uh, to compete and get the job done when you're being defensive. Mm -hmm. And to me, the goal always has to be hammer a baseball in the gap. And the reason why, no, I'm not being selfish, and I'm not promoting that guys be selfish, but that's the mindset that produces the outcome that these coaches want so badly 
and that is for guys to move the baseball. If, if the pitcher is dominant and guys go up there with the idea, hey, this guy's dominant, I got to find a way to move the ball. No, that's not going to play. That's not going to get that, that outcome. You're going to see guys getting blown up. They're going to strike out. And it's just a cycle that works against you. But if it's, hey, I'm going to pick it up like a, like a motherfucker and get after it and stick my face on one, then that guy right there, that pitch has a much better shot of giving the coach what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? It's the mindset that drives the outcome. Yeah. And that, going back to it, that that mindset that, that drives the outcome, just like you said, that's important. And that kind of ties back into that concept that we talk about all the time, which seems to be kind of under fire a little bit in the hitting community, especially because we say the quality of your career is going to be dictated primarily by how you feel most of the time. You got to feel good. Now, there are guys ripping that to shreds, okay? But they're, they're not understanding what we're saying. They're, it's being misinterpreted. It's being lost in translation somewhere. When we say you need to feel good, that doesn't mean that we want you just getting served up 40 mile per hour overhand and barreling stuff up. That kind of feel good is you feel good based on these outcomes from right here. That's not what we're talking about. Feeling good to us is having the tools, using your physiology, looking at the game through a stronger set of filters to help you find certainty on that field to feel good no matter what the hell the outcomes are, no matter what situation you're in on the field, no matter who's in the stands. That's what feeling good is, is the ability to be cocked up on that field and play with total bite in spite of what the outcomes are. So I feel like that was important for us to clarify there. No, and you're exactly right. I mean, what we're talking about is we have a duty as players, as men, to take ownership, total responsibility for how we feel. And no, we don't need cock shots from, you know, from a coach standing 35 feet away, throwing it right down the middle, 40 miles an hour. You don't need that to feel good. And if you do need that, then you're in trouble. But the flip side of that means if you're not feeling good, if you're not feeling confident, if your belief's not up, and you haven't taken responsibility for that, then what are you doing? You're probably blaming the offensive work for how you feel. And I get it, man. It's frustrating. Super difficult machine work. And there's all these dudes. There's so many guys. And you just haven't had a chance to get comfortable and feel like you. And I understand that's frustrating. But step one in that is taking ownership. It's not the work. It's on us. We, we've given these guys so many tools to take, to take ownership of that. You just got to take ownership of that. Right? Exactly. That's what it all comes down to, is you are responsible and in charge of your state and how you feel at all times. And now, like you said, it's, it's difficult at times. You know, like we've been studying this. You've been studying this for decades. I'm way far behind in that, in that context. But point is, I still find myself at times losing control of my state. And I have those tools, right? So I get it. We're all human. It's going to happen. But the quicker you can bounce back on the field by being mindful of your state and where you're letting your focus drift to, how your physiology is, the moment that you find yourself breaking bad, the quicker you can flip that switch and bounce back, that's the difference between guys that make it 
and the guys that don't. Uh, no, no doubt about it. And the more you, the more you take in of quality content, whether it's us or anybody else, the more you take it in, the more likely it, it becomes available when you need it. But you're right. It's all about being mindful of it. And you think about the guys that are special. We all can see it. When that guy is there, there's something about him that's different. And there's a lot of different ways to get there. But the bottom line is, I think most of us look at that guy and just say, wow, he's lucky. I don't know how that happened, but he's just got that thing. But that thing can be developed. And it's constantly checking in, how am I feeling? Am I, am I getting apprehensive? Am I getting weak? Am I letting that doubt because I've just not produced an outcome yet? Am I letting that dominate how I feel? Because in hitting, especially, the only pitch that matters is this pitch right here. And if we can notice what's happening, notice where we're at, and just say, enough. Right now, this pitch, I'm going to pick this foot up like an absolute beast, like a motherfucker, then we give ourselves the best chance. And if you can just try that one time, gives you the best chance, but also you're going to try it again, right? You're going to keep trying it. And, and the more we become mindful of it, the more that thing enters into our consciousness, then it becomes a tool that we can use. And I'm telling you, there's no better tool. There is no better tool at our disposal. That is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. No doubt. That's good, man. You know, when it comes to, because we mentioned at the beginning of the episode that what's missing is that bite, is that competitive edge, that picking it up like a motherfucker. You're right. It's missing. But I think what guys don't understand or what sometimes could be limiting them or stopping them from getting to that point, and it's subconscious is they're afraid of the way they're going to be perceived. Now, when we say that competitive bite and picking it up like a mother effer and carrying yourself like that dude, this is the internal dialogue in your head that is saying, I'm the best guy on this field. It's the way you carry yourself. It's not what you vocalize to the people around you because those guys that are going around, you know, a guy throwing 98 on the mound, guys in your dugout are like, oh, dude, he's so good. If you were to be like, oh, yeah, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to barrel his ass up. No, that's like going around, running your mouth. That's not what we're talking about. No. It's seeing everybody crawling in a hole and getting scared and being intimidated and you carrying yourself like a beast and that voice in your head is, I am going to murder this pitch. That's, that's what we're talking about. And what the people around you think when you're carrying yourself like that, when you are cocked up in peak state, that's their problem. Guys are going to be insecure. Guys are going to be talking smack, chirping. That's just a part of the deal. But it's so worth it, you know? Because you owe it to yourself, to the people around you, to your family who's invested in you in this game. You owe it to be that guy. And if people around you are chirping, fuck them. Yeah, and what you're describing, that's the only way to play this game at a, at a high level now. It's the only way. And it's not just for the Nick Loftons of the world, the guy who is just, he's just different, right? And you could tell early on there's something about him that's a little bit different. 
a bad round of BP didn't change his belief at all. You get what I'm saying? It's not just something that guys won in the genetic lottery. You know, they, they weren't lucky. This is something that we can develop, and it's just about being mindful. And I'm telling you right now, that idea of being cocked up and demanding uh, just the best state that you can possibly find, man, it's a hell of a lot more fun that way. Damn right. It's a lot more fun. And if it offends, I understand. Because a lot of that, it is subconscious. Like you say, our brain hardwired for survival. In the very beginning of man, the brain's always searching, where's the next brontosaurus that's going to freaking eat me, (laughs) right? Now, the way that manifests itself, it's, uh uh-oh, what are they going to think if I say this? What are they going to think if I do this? And that's the stuff that is plaguing society. I mean, it's, oh, don't be masculine, you know, in the general public. Oh, don't be a man, you know, tone that down so that they're comfortable. Really? Yeah. I mean, do we really, do we really care what that crowd that's going to get butthurt about my, you know, swagger or whatever they want to call it, how they feel, how they respond, that's their business. That's their responsibility. It ain't mine. Yeah, that's good, dude. It's the worst. And, and you know what? It feels like that's everywhere because of social media. Mm-hmm. But do you really see that in day-to-day life? Is the world really that way? Maybe. I, maybe it is in the coasts, and I don't, I don't see that crap, though. Yeah, I mean, just for context for these guys... We're in central Illinois right now, right? This is where I was born and raised. This is where you and mom live. I just moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in, the, I'm in that freaking city, right? Now, Tennessee's an amazing state. Won't dive into the details as to why, but it's definitely a different culture that I was not used to. And it's definitely a little bit more on the sensitive side, depending on where you go. Really? Nashville? Yeah. Wow. Just because where I'm at, it's... Uh, there's a lot of femininity. Is that how you say that? Yeah. yeah. A lot of feminine guys walking around. Hey, dude, whatever. Whatever. Um, not judging. But I've just noticed that it is a little bit more. Now, do I watch what I say? No, because I don't care. But I don't have anything to say that's going to offend people. I'm just minding my own damn business. But I will say it is a little bit of a different environment than being here. Just, just a little side note there. Because I've been paying attention all the time and... It's, but it's, it's, it's definitely a real thing, dude. It is a real thing. Yeah, and you've always been respectful. You've got great feel. And again, you've already made this point, but it's worth making again. We're not talking about going out and, and saying brash things just to, just to be you know, conflicting and contradictory to society. That, that ain't it. We're talking about that internal dialogue that impacts how we carry ourselves, because the game of baseball demands that we attack it. Guys are just too big, too strong. And if we worry about offending out there, we got no shot. We got no shot. Right. And that's something that's, to me, it's step one. For me, it was step one. I decided to make a decision to flip a switch, and I was going to go over the top in, in confidence and in, in, what was going on inside of me. And I also let that leak leak into 
things I said and the way I carried myself and the stuff I did off the field, which I'm not entirely proud of. But you know what? I, I did get after it. I got after it. And that's the only way to play, and it's the, the way that's the most fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just has to be. It has to be that way. And you played at Illinois State 92-96, to right? Yep. You had a lot of success freshman year all the way through. It's cool. I've talked to a lot of your teammates. It was fun to hear from their perspective what kind of player you are. I know you hate when I talk about you, so I'll keep it brief. But I feel like for guys now, high school guys, guys in college, the game has changed in so many ways. It's, it's shocking. I mean, you've got perfect game ranking 12-year-olds. You've got parents pumping out thousands of dollars a summer to at the age of eight to play in these perfect game tournaments, to travel the country. Now, I get it. Experience, and for a lot of these parents, I'm not judging. They don't know any better, and they see perfect game ranking kids like that, and they're thinking to themselves, well, if they're all doing it, I don't want my kid to be left behind. You know, so I definitely understand. I'm not judging it. But it's become increasingly difficult for these guys to get to where they want to go because, one, COVID fucked up a lot of different things, right? And I think we'll be dealing with those consequences for a long time. But, man, there's never been a more important time for you to find that bucket. There's never been a more important time for it. Because if you get caught up in social media and the rankings and all that fun stuff and you start comparing yourself to it and then you start internalizing it and then next thing you know, you, you know, say you qualify like success as getting this number at perfect game when you're 13 years old when you should be outside playing wiffle ball in the backyard, man, that's tough. Just, I went on a rant there, but it's, it's tough. No, it's a good point and it's... It's worth mentioning because all of those things, all of that noise, it puts pressure on kids and it's putting pressure on them earlier and earlier and earlier. So the tools that we're describing here are critical. I needed it back then because I was kind of undersized, wasn't, you know, uh, a, a fast guy by any means. I had some lateral quicks. That was necessary. It's way more necessary now. I mean, you have to have that. And think of the upside. If everybody around you is feeling all this pressure from all this noise that's out there, and if you can be the one guy that just frees it up and says, uh, you know what, I'm just going to get after it. I'm going to take the safety off. What's possible for that guy? Everybody wants to be special. That's the way to be special. Work on your path, work on your game, put on weight, put on size, bigger, faster, stronger. That used to be the, the big separator. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't do that, you got no shot. Yeah. The separator now is between the ears, taking the safety off. Yeah. And how often is that talked about? I mean, really? Never. It's, it's sad. It's frustrating. And that's what you and I talked about little over a year ago today when I said I was going to start making short-form content based on my old Twitter posts. Like, no one is talking about it. And some of the guys that are doing mindset stuff is just not, in my opinion, it's just not deep enough. 
It's just, it's not there. It's, hey, um, think positive, positive self-talk. When you step in the box, make sure that you're seeing it as a learning experience and not failure or success. Dude, no, I'm sorry. I don't care if that gets hate, dude, no. If you step in the box and you're thinking, I just want to learn here. This is a learning experience. You're screwed. You have to go in there thinking, that guy sucks, and I'm going to pull his pants down right now. That's the way you have to. I don't care if you're 13. I don't care if you're 35. That is the only way to have success long term. Because now this is the dialogue in your head. It's not what you're vocalizing, dude. But it's just become so surface level and so soft. And I just don't think that shit's going to play ever. No, it doesn't. When it's time to perform, that cue of, hey, I want to learn something, that's going to kill you when it's now. Time to pick up the foot. When you go to pick up the foot, it's got to be, I'm going to pull this guy's pants down and just shellack him. Now, afterwards, if you don't produce the outcome, that is a great filter to yeah. run. What did I learn? That's, that's when that thing should come in. That's when you use that tool. But that cue in the batter's box, no, uh-uh. In the dugout watching the guys, yeah, I'm learning. I'm dialed in. What's this guy doing? But when it's time, it's time. Yep. Get after it. And the better that guy is on the mound, the more that beast mindset has to be what you're carrying in there. Mm-hmm. It has to be. The better that guy is, the more I'm going into motherfucker mode. Yeah. That, when everybody else is all over him, fanboying. Mm-mm. Inwardly, I'm going, this guy's. Wait, you watch this. Yeah. That is a great point you just made a second ago. That was f- having that filter in the back of your head, like after, like post at bat, standing in the dugout, standing on deck, analyzing the situation. What's this guy got? You know, whether he's got to tell, whatever it is. That's the key right there is being able to be, to step out of yourself and be like, okay, I'm stepping in the box, flip that switch. But when you're out of the box, you're dialed in, but you're looking at it through a different set of filters that are going to help you get cocked up for that next A-B. But it's just, guys don't really see it that way. The guys are just in the game. They're, they're in the moment, borderline in freaking survival mode. And it's not even so much that they're doing that on purpose, and they, don't, they might not see it that way. But that's looking back on my career, that's what I found myself doing early on in college was I was just trying to get through the damn game. I wasn't analyzing. I wasn't checking my state. I wasn't, like, flipping that safety off. But towards the end of my career, I did. And that's when I had the most success, you know. Yeah, and, you know, we talked earlier about everybody wants to be special. Well, the guys who are special, when they're in that process of filtering in a bat that didn't go the way they wanted it to go, the difference between those guys and everybody else, it's the questions that they're asking in that process of analyzing that at bat. For the guys who uh, struggle, it's, why am I so shit? How did I miss that fastball? There's no way I should have missed that, that fastball. Why can't I hit a curveball? Those types of, of questions, man, when we ask ourselves questions like that, our brain's going to search for and find the answer. 
So if we say, why am I trash? The brain's going to tell you a bunch of reasons why we're trash. Whereas, say, the Nick Loftons of the world, or the guys who just produce everywhere they go, they're learning, but they're asking themselves better questions. Mm-hmm. Like, what didn't I do right there that I should have done? That's a different question than why am I trash? Yep. You get what I'm saying? It's that concept right there ties into the conversations about how hitting coaches approach the work with their players, right? The questions you ask, your phraseology is the difference. And that's, that goes to, to, you know, for coaches, it goes for the internal dialogue in your head. If you can find a way, like, okay, I guess I'll just give an example here. Later on in, in my career, when I would strike out, it was usually my miss was chasing soft stuff down, rolling over, right? Because nobody wanted to freaking throw me a fastball later on in my career. But when I would strike out or I would chase that pitch and I would go back in that dugout, I would be asking myself, well, I'd be doing a few things, but mainly I'd be asking myself, okay, was my direction shit there? Was I, I'm, I'm chasing, obviously I'm chasing. And then right afterwards, I'd be like, throw me that pitch again, dude. Like just throw it again. And I would rarely make that same mistake twice when I was asking myself those questions. Yeah. You know? And that's so important. Oh, I agree. And here's another example on the negative side. Um, Parker Matheson, fantastic hitter in high school. Phenomenal. I didn't get to see him in college. But he was our leadoff guy, left-hander. When he stayed closed and his thought process was, I need to see it a long time. I know they're going to they're gonna try to get ahead away, away, fastball away. When he stayed closed and let that ball get deep enough, he would just work the baseball to the backside and just had easy pop, easy carry, great bat-to-ball skills. And then he gets beat with a fastball inside, and it freezes him. Not for strike three, but just somewhere in the at-bat. And he still produces a single. The questions he was asking himself is, why can't I hit an inside fastball? Well, number one, it was a great pitch. Number two, a painted-up inside fastball is the most difficult pitch in the game to hit. So because he was thinking about that fastball that froze him, what did, what did it make him do? Well, now he starts leaking open in case that fastball comes. And when he leaked open, his direction was gone. His timing was gone. And that process of obsessing over a pitch he couldn't pull the trigger on ruined him for a minute. Now he got it back, but this is what I'm talking about. Like, we've got to stand, like, sentry, stand guard to the conversations playing in our head. Because even though the kid was getting results, producing outcomes, he let him, his mind wander to a problem and created a problem that wasn't even a problem to begin with. And it killed his direction for a while. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great example. Dude, he, he used to be a backside machine, too. And when he was, and a guy actually let a ball drift to the inner half, because he was in a good position with good direction, he would just hammer that thing to pull side. Mm-hmm. But he obsessed over not being able to, to turn on, you know, 88 painted up on the, inner, on the inside corner. Nobody hits that pitch well, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. 
That's a tough pitch to hit. Yeah, it is. But a lot of pitchers don't go there because, uh-oh, what if my arm side run leaves it over the middle? And mm-hmm. Parker Matheson's going to hammer it. Mm-hmm. So be careful about what's, you know, what you're allowing your brain to, to cycle through. Better filters, right? We yeah. need better filters. Ask better questions. Yeah. You know, I've, so the vast majority of the questions that I get in, message, in DM, on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, is how do I overcome anxiety? How do I stop overthinking? How do I do this? How do I do that? And it's all about running away from the stuff they don't want, right? Now, in fairness, early on, I had to figure out first how to get, out, get rid of all that stuff, break down all those negative associations, those limiting beliefs to build the framework to instill new empowering beliefs, right? So I get it. But what you just said a second ago about that example of creating a problem that's not even there. How many guys are creating issues in their heads that are limiting, that are limiting them on the field that aren't even there? It's everywhere. It's exactly. And, it, and it's not just young guys, college guys, pro guys, shit. That's why so many guys end their careers and then they realize what they were what was stopping them, what was limiting them on the field, and they realized that that stuff wasn't even based in reality. And then that, that is a heavy thing to, to deal with. It's the worst you know? kind of regret. Yeah. And, and you think about right now, there's an epidemic in, in college baseball of guys that have a ton of promise who can really play. They go through this shit show of a process of trying to land in a, at, at a you know, four-year school they get there, they see, you know, that the place is just filled with dudes, there's so many guys, the offensive work is constantly difficult, and they never find their rhythm. And they end up leaving, getting pushed out, or leaving on their own, without ever having really shown anybody who they were. And they go to the next place, and they do it again. And the next thing you know, they're bumped out, bumped out, bumped out, and they're gone, and it's over. And to me, the real crime is if you never find that fuck you, if you never find that, and you end up bouncing, 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 and you're done, and you never found it, that's the worst kind of regret. Yeah. That's the worst kind. That's the stuff we're trying to, trying to save and spare you guys from all that, because that's the worst. Yeah. And so many guys deal with it. The overwhelming majority of former college baseball players, former baseball players in general, deal with that. That's, and even the guys who do well in college, it's so difficult to get picked up now. I mean, the whole, the whole point when we're younger is we want to play big league baseball, right? And even those guys that manage to, to get in the lineup and stay in the lineup – they still don't end up getting picked up. And what would have happened if they really found that place, that just absolute freedom, where they're every pitch able to just free it up and pick it up like, a, like an MFR? You know what this is making me think of? I'm tired of putting out content that is surrounded by how to overcome anxiety, how to overcome because you know what? I don't want that to be the message anymore. Because I don't want it to get lost in translation that I'm just trying to help these guys survive. Dude, no. 
I want it. I want us to help these guys go from being frustrated, anxious, you know, borderline fearful to flipping that switch and going to the opposite end of that spectrum where you are just playing like your hair is on fire at all times because it is 1000% possible. You can, you can make that, you can flip that switch right now by making a decision in your head and saying, you know what? I'm leaving that guy behind. I'm done with that. And I'm going to be a fucking man from here on out. Just vocalizing that to yourself. I don't know, man. It's, it's I'm, so powerful. I'm, I'm with you on that. How do I overcome anxiety as a baseball player? Yep. Okay. I understand we're not psychiatrists. We're not psychologists. How do I overcome anxiety? Be a motherfucker. And that is a choice right now. If I'm fully cocked up, I'm talking fully cocked up in that total FU mindset right now, anxiety, that's not scratching and clawing back here. No, there's no room for it. There's no room for it. And everybody hears this message, right? What percentage of guys actually do that, actually choose to go be a motherfucker? Very few. And why not? They're a little scared that mm-hmm. people aren't going to like them for it. Oh, no. What are they going to say? They're so worried about how they've been positioned in everybody else around them's minds that they're hesitant to do it mm-hmm. because they, they're worried. They, they want to be liked. Yeah. It's a choice. It's available right here, right now. As I'm getting ready to pick this foot up, I can choose to be a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is that small percentage of guys that pick it up like a motherfucker on a consistent basis that level up in the game. The Nick Loftons, Shea Langoliers, Tyler Thomas from Baylor on the Mount. He, dude, he was the epitome of that. When those guys are done playing, when those guys, and I'm talking about done for that day, after a doubleheader, after a weekend series, watch those guys, even if they had a brutal day, hat trick, in a tough situation playing Texas Tech. You would never know. You would, they're, they're going home and hopping right on the freaking PS4, Xbox at the time, put, putting their headset on and doing their thing. Why? Well, they know they're the guy. And they know that the game is only going to last however long, but for as long as they're going to play it, they're not going to sweat all that bullshit and let it affect them. That might be a too simplified way of saying it, but... Those guys just didn't care. They cared in their preparation, but when it was time to go, man, they knew who they were. They knew they were a guy. And if the outcomes weren't there, they still knew. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys out there hoping to be a dude, and then there are those guys who know that they're a dude. And I'm telling you, if you're one of those guys who's hoping, you can choose to know it now. You can find certainty by asking yourself better questions, by taking command of your state, by owning how you feel, you can be that guy. But that's what you're talking about. It's a difference between guys who know it and guys who are begging to be relevant, begging to be a dude, which is a choice. Yeah. It's a choice. And it's a choice that very few make out of some, you know, fear, 
they wouldn't describe it as fear, but they're afraid of yeah. what of what people are going to think. And to me, but again, it comes back to regret. You don't want to re- regret it. Take yeah. the safety off. Just go be a monster. Yeah. And if things don't work out, don't sit around and go, oh, am I not really a monster? No, I'm, I'm a dude. Yeah. I'm an absolute dude. Just let's show them tomorrow. Yeah. That's, dude, that's so good right there. You know, when you think about some guys might not interpret what they're feeling as fear, right? You've mentioned it. They, most of them feel it as frustration or anger or just kind of being a little sped up and anxious. But when you think about what anxiety is, anxiety is the anticipation of future pain. That's fear. You're fear. afraid of failing. That's what anxiety is. That's what gets guys completely ramped up at a PBR event. That's, that's what get, gets guys rattled when there are coaches out to see them, is they're afraid that they're not going to perform and that they're going to fail. That's fear. We all go through it at, at, at some point, right? But if you can get to the point in your head where the anxiety and the, of the anticipation of whatever that future pain is drowned out by the anticipation of the joy and the pleasure of succeeding in that moment, when that emotion, when, when you link up so much pleasure to that idea of going out there and being a dude and accomplishing what you want, when you drift, when you shift your focus to that on a consistent basis and drown out all that other bullshit, that's when the anxiety goes away, in my opinion, long-term. Now, you can use your physiology and redirect your focus to your advantage on the field right now, and you should do that no matter what, if you're anxious or not, that's your responsibility. But long term, if, if you kind of find yourself getting the fire lit under you from watching a video, sticks around for a couple days, and then it kind of fades away, well, if you want to stop that, look at what your beliefs are. Look at what you are linking up pain and pleasure to. Because whichever one is stronger, that's the one that is going to drive you to whatever outcome happens. Yeah, it... We get anxious when our minds drift to, oh no, what if this? What if that? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? But as it relates to being on the field in the game of baseball, if all of that stuff, it's the future, right? Mm -hmm. That's what happens. It's fearing something down the road. If I, if I can slow it down right now, check in with my body, use my body to cock up, slow down, and focus on the baseball, right? You're playing third base. Oh, no. I kicked one. I can't kick another. I'm going to get yanked. If all those thoughts can go away, breathe, and you just lock in on the baseball, forget about you. It's not about you. It's about the baseball, And if I check in with my body and I use my physiology and I lock in and I'm just going to obsess about the baseball, get after the baseball and slow everything down, all that fear goes away. But it starts with physiology focus, using those tools, because that right there is the fastest way to get out of out of anxiety, fear. Yep. We know it's fear, but guys call it whatever they call it. That's the fastest way. Use your body. Cock up. Breathe. 
focus on the baseball. Focus mm-hmm. on the baseball and you stop worrying about you. We make it about us. Mm-hmm. We make everything about us. That's good. I'm anxious. I've got to give a speech. Well, I'm obsessing about me and what everybody's going to think of me. I struck out twice, right? I'm going up. I'm on deck. I can't strike out again. I'm obsessing about me. I'm obsessing about what everybody's going to think of me, what's going to happen to me. Get out of you. Make it about the guys around you. Mm-hmm. Make it about the baseball, anything, but get out of yourself. And we all do that. I do it. We all do it. Yep. I mean, I've studied this stuff, so it's all right there top of mind, and I still do it. But how long do we go before we check in and remember, oh, shit, I'm making this about me? Yep. If we can shorten that, shorten that time that we, that we let ourselves play that bullshit game, then we can do something about it. Yeah. It's really good, dude. This is kind of off topic, but I kind of wanted to mention it. Um, when it when it comes to what stops guys from reaching their true potential on the field, right? I kind of draw it back to something I saw on social media, and it, it was a study done on a bunch of people that were dying in nursing homes, right? People that were on death's door, knocking on death's door. And they they asked them, what is your biggest regret in life? Almost all of them said, I just wish I would have done the things I wanted to do. I wish I would have taken that job. I wish I would have moved across the country to that state. I wish I would have spent more time with my family instead of worrying about what this person thinks. We, we end up losing out on so much of life, so much of our career, so much joy because we're in a chokehold by what the people around us think. Now, that's, that's our teammates, that's the people in the stands, that's our families. We just end up being choked out. And then there's going to come a time, whether it's the end of your baseball career or the end of your life, and you're going to have to live with those decisions you made. Dude, those people are going to die anyways. You know what I mean? Like Nobody's going to remember you 100 years from now. Those people, we're all going to freaking die. So why let those people's opinions stop you from doing whatever the hell it is that you want to do? I just, that's something that I, that I freaking live by now. After I saw that, I live by it. Have to. Yeah, and you could change that belief like right, right now. Number one, people aren't thinking about us. Even 1% as, as much, uh, 1% of the time that we think they are. Like they're, uh, they're worried about their own stuff. They're not thinking about us. They're not talking about us. All of us can fall into that. But I get it. People are hesitant. They don't want to go out there and, and, and look to do something big because they're afraid they're, that they're going to fall short. And they don't even want to, the, the people around them to know that they're thinking about doing something like that. That's why they don't start a business. That, that's why they don't try to become more than the people around them, Right. That's why we become the average of the five people that we associate with most. Um, so I get it. That, that fear is, it's real. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't want to let people down. We don't want to let ourselves down. But again, it's the worst kind of regret, right? If that, you had a, a fear of loss when it came to, you were told you were a skinny little kid, not strong enough, not fast enough, 
your fear of missing out on a chance to be a guy, um, that fear of, oh no, it drove you to prepare like nobody else. I'm not trying to shortchange anybody, but dude, your preparation was off the charts. You took a fear and used it as fuel to motivate you to grow and become more. What you did over a three, four year period of, of time of sustained like doing the hard shit over and over, the, the meal prep, the workouts, like you use that fear. So that fear can be a tool. Mm-hmm. We just kind of have to redirect it a little bit mm-hmm. instead of letting it paralyze us. Yeah. That's good. Fear is a great tool, man. Yeah. I don't want, yeah, that's... It really is. It's important because like you can... That's that's always something that I, I'm I'm still learning. I'm still I'm still trying to navigate my way through. Is fear in general can be a good thing. That's why so many players and anger, these negative emotions, can be stronger motivators to push us to where we want to go. Right. So that coach from that school telling me that I was going to be D three at the at the best. Right. That pissed me off so bad to where I printed it, printed it out, put it on my wall, and as soon as I woke up in the morning, that's the first thing I saw, was that guy saying I was never going to get there. And it just lit a fire under me. But I don't want it to get lost in translation that the only way, the only healthy way to be motivated or to establish beliefs is with positive emotions. Does that make sense what I'm saying there? No, it does. Yeah, I mean... Our beliefs are, uh, we form them through our experiences with pain and pleasure as we come up. If, if our, and, and most, for most of us, it comes from our mother. So if we're a little kid and we run in uh, while, while a bunch of uh, our parents' friends are around and we, we get real loud and we draw a bunch of attention to ourselves, and in that situation, if, if our mom gives us a bunch of positive reinforcement, like comes in, oh, that's so awesome, and hugs us, and look at little Johnny here. That right there, we learn from that. Our brain, we felt tremendous pleasure. On the other side, if our mom grabs us and just undresses us, whips our ass, drags us into the other room, uh, okay, that is going to get synced up. The belief is I don't come in and make a spectacle with my mom and her friends, and it gets linked up like that. So our brain is going to do more to avoid pain than it is to gain pleasure. So use it. Use that. It can be a great tool. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the pain of regret is super strong, and that's the one that dominates former baseball players, the pain of regret. So am I going to regret playing with the safety on and worrying about what everybody around me thinks so that they're comfortable, so that they're not threatened. And that's what's happening in the bigger context and the macro in the world is everybody is so worried about offending that we're going through life like in this weird quasi plugged in. I hope I don't offend state. There's no room for that bullshit. If you really want to be a man, Mm Mm-hmm. If you want to be a man, you got to get after it with all the tools that we've been given. So use that pain of, of 
that future thought of, hey, I'm going to experience mad pain if I don't man up, stop worrying about what everybody thinks, cock up, and just say, fuck it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. It's a great tool. And in my mind, how people respond, how they... Again, we're not saying go out there and vocalize it. We're saying what's going on inside, in here. I'm going to attack. I'm going to just get after it and not worry about offending. Yeah, that's, that's it right there. It's amazing. Yeah.